Welcome to Maidens of Metal and Mayhem, a podcast about all things metal, horror, with a dash of mayhem. Hello, hello. We're back for episode two, where we talk all things goth. So this episode, we really want to focus on more of like gothic literature, gothic film, um, and more like kind of the visual aspects that kind of go along with the kind of the gothic subculture and music in general. So I'll start off with a fun question. Um, MJ, what would you say is your most favorite goth movie? Oh, that's that's so easy. Um, the Crow. Fair, very fair. <laughs> <laughs> the Crow. Okay, but why? Like, what what about that movie is like really appealing to you? Oh my god! So I will start by saying, the first time I watched that movie it was like in the nineties, and I love the look of the film. I love Brandon Lee's take on the Crow. The story is a beautiful gothic romance. You know, he comes back to take revenge for what happened to them. You know, to know what happened to uh, both Eric Draven and um, Shelley, to, and to see each one of those guys get killed in a very beautiful poetic way, it's heartwarming. I love it. I I just love their deaths. The I mean, from the music to the quotes uh, of from that movie, it's just a perfect film, start to finish. Even um, what they did to um, finish the movie after Brandon Lee passed is perfect. They did it in in such a um, an amazing way. You know, it is very sad that Brandon Lee did pass away during that movie, but he left us with the most beautiful movie, in my personal opinion, created. Oh yeah, I, there's definitely you can tell just looking at it. There was a lot of care taken into it, especially given you know Brandon Lee dying because of an issue on set and you know a serious mistake being made you can tell that they definitely took that extra care to make sure that the final piece was worth that not that it's worth the death of a human life by any means but making sure that it was you know something worthwhile came out of it and that we left this beautiful movie absolutely stunning look I love the soundtrack. It's not 100% goth soundtrack, but I think it's a really good time capsule of like 90s music in general or like 90s like alt music. And you do have The Cure on there doing the title song, so I'm not going to complain at all. (laughs) Burn absolutely slaps. (laughs) Agreed. And, you know, not not all music that goths listen to is goth, you know. So the, the soundtrack is just from start to finish is amazing. It definitely could stand on its own as an album. Oh, yeah. 
I will say I straight up listen to the Crow soundtrack all the time because it's just such a good mixture again of like that little time capsule of the 90s almost like 90s alt scene. Just listen to the the Crow soundtrack and you'll get a vibe for it all. And just his whole his whole look from the makeup to the outfit is is God. You know how he does his makeup with her makeup after he looks at a mask that is on her vanity that it's just it's pure goth i love his trench coat i love his boots like if you're just talking fashion for the goth scene it it's perfect i mean even on top of that just like the general premise of the story fits a lot of like those gothic kind of lit tropes and film tropes i mean it's love transcending death it's the underdog starting out this journey, trying to seek revenge for a life cut too short, two lives cut too short. Like you said before, the poetic way and almost ironic way that he's able to kind of defeat all of these villains in his life. And then at the end, that final battle where he's fighting, you know, the main kingpin, the main bad guy in this dilapidated old cathedral you can't you can't be more, you know, spooky and gothy than that. Ending it with this huge epic fight. He's fighting Top Dalla, like actually fighting him. You know, his weird sister lady is trying to get the crow that started this whole thing. You have elements of supernatural stuff throughout. Like it just it's so good. I love it. It's one of my absolute comfort movies. Same. I I love that movie. Every time I get choked up, like it it's also like one of those movies that make me cry because it's it's such a pure true love story and i'm i'm you know all about it now i wish they would stop trying to recreate that beautiful magic uh, and just let it be but uh, I think, you know, we're probably going to see uh, eventually another uh, redo of The Crow. We'll see. I mean, every attempt that has been made by like a major um, production house it usually ends up not happening for whatever reason. So maybe it's just cursed. Maybe it's the universe's way of being like, just stop. It's perfect. Don't touch it. I hope. <laughs> no, I, d- I was OK with The Crow City of Angels. It, because it was a different telling, like it was a different crow. And, um, but they did, they did um, link the first and the second one with the character Sarah. Uh, Sarah is an adult and she, she knows what's going on and she kind of like helps him navigate um, what's happening to him. Also, I appreciate how they did his makeup which was his son's paint set. The other movies after that, no, absolutely not. And even even The Crow City of Angels, not my favorite, but I'll accept it. Okay, very fair. So for me, Crow is definitely up there. That is one of my favorites. But I think my other kind of favorite like gothic movie that I've been watching a lot recently has been Crimson Pink. If you've seen that. I have and I love it. Honestly, anything Guillermo del Toro. Just 
in my heart forever. He's one of my favorite directors. But Crimson Peak is just like it. It's like that perfect gothic like horror movie. It hits everything. You have the setting, you know, the house that has so much character that it's almost its own character in a way. You know, it creaks, it groans, it adds its own atmosphere and kind of opinions on things. It's literally bleeding out the whole time through the movie. Again, you have the, you know, the underdog main character, the naive young woman who doesn't know what's going on and has to discover this mystery and try to figure out what's going on in this house. You have elements of supernatural throughout. The most gorgeous set, like gorgeous set designs and costumes absolutely beautiful i love in the movie where at the at the end where it i mean at this point it's like the uh the castle or house is like completely bleeding out and she's in this beautiful white dress and she has this beautiful white blonde hair and the um the contrast between that deep blood red and her is I just think it's it's beautiful and what I really love about this movie in particular is all of the really subtle things that are kind of weaved throughout so one thing I find really cool like a um, little detail that I recently kind of learned about with the movie is when you look at the main character Edith she's dressed in like the proper fashion for the time which was like the 1890s so she's dressed in that really contemporary fashion where she has like the big billowy sleeves, um, the way she does her hair, everything like that is very fashionable and um, on point with where they are fashion wise in the time period. And then if you notice with the sharps, their outfits are actually like 10 or 15 years back in fashion. Absolutely beautiful clothing, tailored really well, high quality, but it's like 10 15 years old because that's when they had money and now they don't have money so they can't buy new clothes and that's what I really like about Guillermo del Toro's movies and his direction is you'll kind of notice little things like that that just build up and add so much extra kind of texture and depth to his movies and I think especially with Crimson Peak it's just like that perfect gothic horror movie it kind of it just hits everything that I personally like out of them you have the spooky, you know, supernatural parts of it. You have the really interesting and dynamic, you know, female lead. You have these beautiful lush sets and clothing designs and everything. And on top of it, you just have like a really interesting watch. Like you never really know what's going to happen. And, you know, the, it, again, it's a, it's a um, interesting love story. The, the brother and sister relationship is... Hmm. uncomfortable but uh, he ends up you know really actually falling in love with her and uh wanting to protect her even though he really he's a he's the villain so you know at the end you do feel bad for him but um he's a bad guy yeah it still felt bad that he died i think he would have turned around if his sister was the only one that died personally yeah but again, I that's the really great thing of, that I really enjoy with um, specifically gothic films and literature is that you end up with a lot of these really like tragic heroes or tragic villains where you really kind of feel for them or you kind of empathize with them, even though you 
really shouldn't or it doesn't make sense to because they have these more kind of sympathetic backstories and just kind of adds like an extra twist or interest into everything. Another genre that I really enjoy when it comes to like gothic horror specifically is the good old fashioned vampire movie. I mean, there's there's so many good ones. I mean, Interview with a Vampire Alone is book and movies. Oh, beautiful. Mm, I love them. Anne Rice. May she rest in peace. I already miss, miss her presence here, but she did so much to kind of revolutionize how people write monsters. She's done so much for like specifically vampire literature and the fact that she was one of the first writers to really start writing from the monster's perspective, which is just such an interesting concept that I feel like a lot of people still don't fully embrace. first goth movie that I ever watched without knowing that it was considered like a goth movie it's called Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman it's it's such a beautiful film it's a black and white film what would you say is uh the first goth movie that you ever watched oh I mean without a doubt it was um Nightmare Before Christmas for sure because that movie came out around the time I was born. And, you know, it's it's a Disney-produced movie, so it's a Disney movie. So I I know for a fact that my mom sat me in front of that as a little kid, because it's a kid's movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's a Halloween movie. It's perfect. And I both absolutely loved it as a little kid, but it was also horrified, because I was like three or four, I think, when I first watched it. And... I mean, the claymation's really fun. The songs are really great. I mean, you can't go wrong with Danny Elfman writing, much like, all of the music. Like, he did such a great job. Um, it's no shock that I'm a big Oingo Boingo fan, because I do love anything Danny Elfman. <laughs> Oingo Boingo. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love that shit. But, you know, it's definitely, like, geared towards kids, but there's also a lot of scary things for a little kid, especially, like, a little you know, four or five year old. But it's that's always been like one of my comfort movies. I can almost recite it line by line, even to this day. I usually watch it a couple times around like the fall and winter time. Yeah, I uh, a couple weeks ago, um, after Thanksgiving, when I put up my Christmas tree, I didn't listen to Christmas music. I listened to the Nightmare uh, Before Christmas soundtrack. As you should. As you should. You know, I I. I do listen to Christmas music, but like I, I prefer Nightmare Before Christmas for putting on my Christmas tree. But yeah, that's that's a great movie. I definitely like again, you know, same with music. I'm more into like the romantic goth. I would say I think the very first gothic movie is probably Nosferatu, which was created in nineteen twenty-two. That that film is just so beautiful. If you haven't seen it, you really, really should because it's definitely the beginning of gothic film. Oh, yeah. And I mean, even before then, you have all gothic literature because that's what, you know, gothic film is based off of. And for me, I always really enjoy gothic lit. I think it just it's such an interesting read um, if you find the good ones because it's 
it's a very big genre. I mean, you have everything from, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula, to then you have like pulp fiction from like the 19, you know, 20s to 40s tended to fall into like the gothic horror genre too. And you have a lot of contemporary stuff like Anne Rice and um, some Stephen King books even. So I think it's a really, it's a really wide genre. And I think there's a lot of really kind of interesting niches throughout and like specific subgenres within that just lends itself so well to making a ton of really amazing movies too. And don't forget Edgar Allan Poe. Of course, the OG goth dad himself. Yeah, I mean, just uh, just amazing. I love Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I would say Edgar Allan Poe is definitely not the OG when it comes to like gothic lit in general. That definitely sits with um, Horace Walpole's um, Castle of Otranto. That's like the first ever like really goth novel and gothic book. Because that came out in 1764, well before our boy Edgar was born. Wow. I mean, it, it's been going on uh, for, for quite a long time, this beautiful gothic movement. Oh, definitely. I mean, what I like about both kind of the literature and books and the movies is how we have a lot of different elements going on. Everything's kind of moodier, dark, kind of spooky, usually has some kind of like mystery going on or some kind of strange supernatural happenings. And usually really interesting kind of sets and environments almost kind of take on their own kind of living characteristics. I think overall, it's a really interesting kind of tropes to play around with and kind of twist and make, you know, your own. And I feel like there's a lot of different ways authors and directors and writers can kind of go within the gothic horror genre. I definitely uh, think as far as like the more contemporary goth movies, that in my in my personal opinion, I do consider a goth movie is uh the craft. The way um the character Nancy uh is dressed and then looks, you know, being uh I think I was like sixteen or seventeen when that movie came out, that also definitely influenced um my love for goth fashion is the Nancy character from the craft. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the craft was definitely inspired by goths. I mean, again, just how you can see how a lot of the characters dress and some of the music played throughout. Um, but I think even some elements of it, too, where you're kind of dealing with watching Nancy kind of deal with being part of, you know, like this new group. Again, you do have some kind of like pseudo supernatural things going on. Nancy kind of being the underdog and having to figure out how to navigate through all of this and come out on top at the end or at least survive. And so I, I definitely think it kind of hits that. I don't know if I would call those contemporary films necessarily, considering, weirdly enough, they're almost 30 years old. Oh, my God. See, I know. To me, they're contemporary because I'm old. So I guess you because there there is the, the new sequel, which, by the way, it sucks. The only good part of that movie is that Feruza Bulk does reprise her role as Nancy and is in the last like five minutes of the film. That's the that's the only good part of that movie. Long awaited sequels after, you know, like decades. Usually that's how it goes. Except Halloween. That was a great time. I enjoy them. I will say one movie that I really like that kind of fits into the gothic 
horror kind of film is I absolutely adore Rosemary's Baby. And I think that kind of fits in too, because again, you have kind of the naive female protagonist. She's kind of pushed into this whole thing that she had no part in, did not want to be a part of. This whole conspiracy for her to have, you know, the Antichrist. I feel like even in that movie, their apartment kind of becomes like this whole kind of character in and of itself in the movie because she's locked in that apartment for pretty much the whole pregnancy. You have all this like weirdness with our neighbors and then, of course, all the supernatural elements that go along with it. I think it's a really interesting movie. Always been one of my favorites since I've seen it. Yeah, I I love Rosemary's Baby. You know, Roman Polanski, uh, he is... A very talented man, but um, bad person. I don't. He's a very bad person. Um, yeah, I agree. The one thing I found very interesting about Rosemary's Baby is it's around the same time that his wife Sharon Tate, who was pregnant, was murdered. It just feels like a awful, terrible coincidence to me. Almost like like a the movie is cursed. I mean, I heard that that's kind of one of the conspiracy theories that follow it is that it was like a cursed movie definitely an unfortunate and kind of ironic coinciding of events but I mean again it sucks that it's a Roman Polanski film because I really do like it but I hate that he made it and he's such a horrible person yeah he's uh he's no good no throw him in the trash throw him in the trash but we'll keep we'll keep the movie yeah, we'll keep Rosemary's baby, but throw the whole man in the trash. Agreed. For sure. <laughs> Agreed. And another um, a good old-fashioned uh, gothic movie is Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. It's just, it's really beautifully filmed. It's just naive, uh, a woman who meets this man and they fall in love and he brings her to his beautiful big mansion because he's he's quite wealthy and his uh wife like a year before had passed she drowned she was on a boat and the story is she she drowned but then there's like all these did she drown did she commit suicide was she murdered and rebecca is kind of put in this spot where She's not sure if her husband's a good man or not, or even if her uh, housekeeper is a good person or not. It it puts you in that, like, gothic feel in that movie. I mean, I will say what I really enjoy about specifically gothic movies and um, gothic horror literature is that there is a lot of kind of female protagonist representation. Like, that is one of the bigger tropes within, like, gothic lit and film, is that it tends to be a woman being the main protagonist. And I always find that really interesting because it kind of delves into a lot more women's issues or um, kind of things that women kind of have to deal with more, especially in, you know, like, the 1800s, like, the Victorian era and turn of the century. So I think that's one place where women did get a lot of representation early on was in, as, like, the heroines of these, you know, gothic films as well as gothic books and novels i mean you can just look at jane eyre most people wouldn't consider um charlotte bronte to be like a gothic writer but jane eyre kind of fits a lot of the hallmarks that go along with gothic novels and it is kind of this 
almost like coming of age story where Jane is trying to figure out, you know, where she fits in the world, where she fits in and kind of like British society and everything. And there's definitely a lot of kind of like spooks and ghosts and kind of creeps throughout as she kind of goes through this whole story. I mean, even with a lot of the um, short stories, too, that go along with like gothic literature, a lot of them tend to focus around um, kind of female heroines as they kind of figure their way out and see where they fit in with society and kind of dealing with ghosts of like the past. Like I and also I feel like the just the the whole uh, era of the 1890s is just goth and i don't know if it was if it was because there were so many sicknesses going on or i believe you also had like jack the river like there were there was sickness and murders and just a, a very like macabre era yeah i mean on top of it too that's like the victorian era like the end of the victorian era and i mean she's known as like the mourning queen she's, after her husband's death she weren't mourning she was in mourning the rest of her life mm -hmm. so on top of you know queen victoria being kind of at least in like england and like the colonized world of england she was kind of the trendsetter in a lot of ways but again too in that era you also had like you said there's just a lot of death going on so you have like the industrial revolution happening you have like you said a lot of serial killers out there and just in general, it was a lot of like unclean and unsafe living conditions that a lot of people unfortunately died, especially really young people. Yeah, it's it's a very dark, macabre time in the 1890s. Yeah, and what I really like about, I think in general, like the gothic subculture, but especially like the books and movies that kind of go along with it, is how they all kind of harken back to this kind of movement in art that's called Memento Mori. That's some of my favorite kind of tropes and um, iconography throughout. And I love that that's kind of where a lot of this stuff comes from is that idea, if you know what that is. I don't actually. Okay. So Memento Mori is um, it's a Latin term and it essentially just means um, remember that you too shall die. And it's this idea of, you know, mortality is coming for everyone. Like no one's immortal. So it's a lot of kind of like skulls and like reapers, bats, a lot of these like really spooky aesthetics kind of come from that. And it's kind of this idea to remind yourself that no matter what, we're all going to end up in the same spot. And there's a couple ways people kind of take it. You can either take it kind of like the depressing route and be like, well, that's just sad and like get upset about it. But I think what's really interesting, and I feel like with goths specifically, they kind of take it more as like a good thing. Like, hey, I'm only here a certain amount of time. Let me do whatever I want to do. Let me be happy. Let me express myself how I want to express myself and use this as a motivator to be like, hey, how much can I get done in the short time that I'm here? And, you know, the subject death is very um, macabre, but, you know, death, it, it, for me, it's it's a beautiful thing. You know, we we come into the world and we leave it. And, you know, I've worked in the healthcare industry and, you know, I have held the hand of somebody passing away. And it, it really, no matter what, what religion you believe in, it's that, that release of life. It's your next step in your next journey. Yeah. And I think that's what makes goth so interesting to me, at least, is 
it's less of kind of living in fear of that and I guess more living to embrace that in that, you know, we're only here for a short amount of time. You know, you only get an average of like 80 years on this planet and in this lifetime. So you might as well live it up, dress how you want, express yourself how you want and be your authentic self, whether that be spooky and creepy and dressed in all black or super bubbly and happy and excited. And I think that's really what kind of comes down to like the gothic mindset is, you know, be yourself, be your authentic self and try to be encouraging for others that they can do the same. Agree. And I think that's, I think that's probably why this is uh, our favorite so far episodes is because we both embrace the darkness. We both embrace being a little strange, being a little freaky and, you know, embracing the, the joy of life and even the, the joy of death. So one person I will say that I think is kind of controversial, but also monumental in a way within like the gothic like movies is Tim Burton, whether you like him or hate him. I think he's done a lot of impact on the look of a lot of like more gothy and spooky movies, even though he does a lot more um, you know, like children's movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, Edward Scissorhands. I love that movie so much. I'm pretty sure the character, the Edward character was based off of the the lead singer from The Cure. That whole, like, look. It wouldn't shock me if he looked like, if he was, you know, inspired by Robert Smith. Would not shock me. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. And it does, I mean, he does look like Robert Smith. Oh, for sure. I will say, I think there's been a lot of interesting um, kind of discourse and discussion about Tim Burton in, like, recent months and recent years. By the fact that a lot of people kind of consider a lot of his stuff um, a little bit racist, just with like his casting choices. So from what I've seen, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have, is a lot of people discuss how in all of his movies, yes, they have a very strong aesthetic that definitely you can say is his aesthetic, but there's really kind of a lack of diversity. It's primarily all very white, very pale, gaunt faces. And as we're trying to, I think, in our society, find more kind of diversity in things and trying to get more representation out there, a lot of people have been, especially, you know, goths and alt people of color and of different backgrounds um, and ethnicities, have kind of found that there's not much representation for them within his body of work specifically. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see where they're coming from because, you know, they're really, there, there is no persons of color in his movies would i like to see persons of color in his movies yes do i think his movies are racist no i don't think that's the intent oftentimes i think that your art represents you and he just happens to be a pale-faced white guy so his art kind of identifies with his own aesthetic It's a very, very fine line between art and what's offensive. You know, at times that line is very, very thin and it's gotten even more thin as time has gone on. You know, when I was um, younger, 
these these were not topics at all that that we were discussing. But I have to say, I don't I don't think his movies are are racist. Perhaps maybe he'll take note of uh you know of what people are thinking and saying, and add persons of color into his movies. Yeah, here's hoping. I think he's more. I think it's more just like from a place of ignorance. Like I don't think it's something he ever thought of because, again, he is a pale-faced white guy. I'm hoping we'll see. I know it's been an ongoing conversation with a lot of um, alts and goths online and a lot of other spaces too discussing. And I think it's an ongoing thing because obviously he's still, you know, working. He's still alive. He can still make stuff. So we'll see. But it is really sad when I hear people say that that's just his aesthetic. It's nothing more. It's like, but you can still have people of color and still kind of fit his aesthetic. I think Coraline is a great example of that. Not a movie he did, but a very similar aesthetic. And you have some great representation within that movie itself. I think it's definitely we're getting there. It's just, it's slow. And I that sucks because I love seeing kind of more diverse faces and backgrounds and things. Because I feel like that gives you such an interesting perspective on things. And um, on these different kind of topics that kind of fall within like the gothic horror genre. So I personally try to find, you know, as many diverse kinds of directors and producers and things like that that I can find so I can find so that I can see different perspectives and maybe find interesting twists on stories that maybe I've already heard of. Yeah, I you know, and again, I, I think it comes from uh, ignorance and not racism. And what be- what better to have a uh, persons of color gothic movie than to have it come from a person of color? You know, it. I th- I think that would be really that would be really uh, awesome because, you know, I, I would say that I I don't think there there really is that much representation and. I know that there are people of color that are huge goth fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, they helped build the subculture in the 80s. Like, without, you know, a lot of, like, you know, the black punk bands that really kind of helped start the style and a lot of the sounds, like, we would not be where we are without them. I think it's just a matter of kind of spotlighting and showing off the fact that you don't have to be, you know, gaunt, skinny, pale, to be a goth and you can be any shape any size any background color anything like that and still be goth and be 100 percent valid goth is for everybody i you know i'm sure that there there probably are people out there that don't agree with us well you know they're wrong you're wrong fuck you oh yeah i mean goth it permeates everywhere it's for everyone i like to think of it kind of like the punk moniker of you know punks for for everyone unless you're not for everyone and I think that kind of goes for goth too or at least it should I think the only people that should be excluded are the ones that are hateful or bigoted or aren't accepting of everyone of all walks of life agreed and and, you know that's it's all about being rebellious and standing up for being different it it really should be a, a representation of of everybody being rebellious and having a good time doing it. Exactly. And looking great while we do it. <laughs> and looking great while we do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, we do, we look, 
look great when we're all dressed up in black and you know sometimes I add a little color to my to my makeup because it doesn't always have to be all black no you gotta throw in some like oranges or something you know oranges but you also have you know your uh pastel goss out there so it's it's for everybody oh exactly and that's the biggest thing that I want to you know we want to promote on our show is that we believe in inclusion and you know listen I am a white female from a rural area and I'm not a racist person but I have lived in ignorance in my life and the older I get the more awakened to that ignorance and the more and more I embrace these movements that are so important oh exactly and I think especially within alt scenes to just focus on showing off the fact that we are a very diverse group of people that are interested in this stuff and just again make it aware that it's not just skinny white people doing this like there are gods of all shapes sizes and colors and I love that and that's what draws me into it so much is that there are so many different kinds of people that love all things spooky and dark it's it's for everybody you know again i i hope that um these episodes are a good representation of you know what is goth yeah thanks for listening to us ramble on about one of our favorite subcultures of movies and music to listen to Uh, we'll catch you in two weeks and stay spooky (laughs) 